The Oxford English Dictionary defines institution as an established law, custom, usage, practice, organization, or other element in the political or social life of a people. We shall follow that lead, but recast it so as to stress the role of institutions in economic life. By institutions I shall mean, very loosely, the arrangements that govern collective undertakings. Those arrangements include not only legal entities, like the firm where Becky's father works, but also the edir to which Desta's father belongs. They include the markets in which Becky's family purchase goods and services, and the rural networks Desta's household belongs to. They include the nuclear household in Becky's world and the extended kinship system of claims and obligations in Desta's world. And they include that overarching entity called government in both their worlds. Institutions are defined in part by the rules and authority structure that govern collective undertakings, but in part also by the relationships they have with outsiders. The rules on the factory floor, who is expected to do which task, who has authority over whom, and so on, matter not only to members of the firm, they matter to others, too. For example, rich countries have laws relating to working conditions in factories. Moreover, environmental regulations constrain what firms are able to do with their effluence. In every society there are layers of rules of varied coverage, some rules come under other rules. Many have legal force, while others are at best tacit understandings. The effectiveness of an institution depends on the rules governing it and on whether its members obey the rules. The codes of conduct in the civil service of every country include honesty, but governments differ enormously as to its practice. Social scientists have constructed indices of corruption among public officials. One such index is based on the perception private firms have acquired, on the basis of their experience, of the bribes people have had to pay officials in order to do business. The index, which is on a scale of 1, highly corrupt, to 10, highly clean, is less than 3.5 for most poor countries. African countries and Eastern Europe are among the worst, and greater than 7 for most rich countries. Scandinavian countries are among the best. It used to be argued that bribery of public officials helps to raise national income because it lubricates economic transactions. It does so in a corrupt world, if you don't pay up, you don't get to do business. But corruption isn't an inevitable evil. There are several poor countries where corruption is low. Having to pay bribes raises production costs, so less is produced. Citizens suffer because the price they have to pay for products is that much higher. Economists have speculated that government corruption is related to the delays people face in having the rule of law enforced. The thought is that delays are a way of eliciting bribes to hasten legal processes.
To enforce a contract takes 415 days in the poor world, as against 280 days in the rich world. It may be that corruption is also related to government ineffectiveness. To register a business takes 66 days in the poor world, 27 days in the rich world. In poor countries, registering property takes 100 days on average, while in rich countries the figure is 50 days. Some economists have suggested that government officials in poor countries create lengthy queues, that's government ineffectiveness, so as to elicit bribes from applicants if they want to jump those queues, that's corruption. How do government corruption, ineffectiveness, and indifference to the rule of law translate into the kind of macroeconomic statistics we have been studying here? They leave their imprint on total factor productivity. Other things being equal, a country whose government is corrupt or ineffective, or where the rule of law is not respected, is a country whose total factor productivity is lower than that of a country whose government suffers from fewer of those defects. Some scholars call these intangible but quantifiable factors social infrastructure. Others call them social capital. Institutions are overarching entities. People interact with one another in institutions. A more basic notion is that of engagements among people. The possibility of engagements gives rise to a fundamental problem in economic life. We study that next.